Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Wagner Live. Is Wagner Live. If it's going on in business, he's talking about it. Real, Real raw, raw, and direct. Let's do it. This is Wagner Live. And this is Wagner Dos Santos. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Wagner Dos Santos, and this is Wagner Live, episode 110. This episode is brought to you by The Wagner Agency. Learn more at thewagneragency.com. So, Orlando, Florida is not only where Wagner Live is produced, but it's also nationally considered a growing market. Uh, Orlando has been called one of North America's up and coming tech markets, in case you didn't know. And in a recent study of the leading large, midsize and small metros throughout the country, Orlando ranked number nine out of 299 metros studied and number two in the Southeast. So to help us with this discussion, uh, we have the pleasure and the privilege of having Tim Giuliani, uh, president. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And CEO of the Orlando Economic Partnership. He's a CCE, which is a certified chamber executive. And nationally, he serves on the executive committee for the Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives. And is an active participant of the U.S. Chamber Committee of 100. So we're going to welcome Tim to the show. Hey, Tim, what's going on? Hey, Wagner, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. For uh, Thank you for being our guest. How long have you been leading the economic partnership? And tell us a little bit about your history with Orlando, because you're, you're not a native, right? No, no. I actually grew up in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, so I've spent most of my career in Florida working in, you know, community development, economic development. Um, I did spend a few years in Raleigh, North Carolina, right before I came back here to Orlando, leading the Greater Raleigh Chamber and Wake County Economic Development, which was the central business organization for the Research Triangle. So it was a really 
you know, prosperous region, a smart region, one that had made a lot of really smart investments and really took hold of what their new identity would be in the 60s and 70s. And so, um, you know, there was definitely um, issues still being faced, but with the prospect of being able to come back to Florida in, in, in Orlando, which is so dynamic, has such a compelling story to tell and so much opportunity, really thought it was a great opportunity to come back home uh, to Florida and to really put this new organization together. So that's what we've been doing over the last three years. I've only heard great things about your leadership and how fortunate uh, Orlando is to to have you as an advocate and, and leading the economic future for the city. So I don't know if you know, I'm not a native either. I was born and raised in New York. Okay. And, and, uh, Mets or Yankees? Important question. Uh, Mets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good, good. Mets fan. I usually don't get that. I'm usually like, oh, really? The Yankees, but no. no, no, no. no. I came here in uh, in 97. I've been here, uh, if you do the math, uh, a little over 20 years or something like that. So what would you say has been your your primary goals and objectives with respect to Orlando's economic development? Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot to the, you know, full answer, um, just being cognizant of uh, the listeners uh, today let's boil it down to some of the things I think are most important. Uh, I think you hit on it. it. You know, Orlando as a brand, as a destination is known internationally with the top visited destination in America, uh, at least pre pandemic, um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll climb back to that. But with 75 million visitors, so many people have been to Orlando and multiple times. So they have a really good impression and a favorability, if you will, of Orlando. For us, they just don't know enough about the other half of the story. So one of the main things that we've uh, focused on over the last several years is a campaign, Orlando, you don't know the half of it. Mm-hmm. And it, what it does is try to build on that tourism brand, but speak to the other opportunities that are equally as good and equally as intriguing. And uh, you know, to me, I think it boils down to you know, the time in our history you know, 50 years ago when Disney was scoping out the land um, putting together a master plan and, and a, sort of a, a destination. At the same time, the city was going through the beginnings of a space race and really putting the infrastructure and the, the technological development and the talent uh, pipeline in place so that the U.S. could successfully get to the moon and, and explore out of space. And so those two things really happen at the same time. And I think from a, a marketing standpoint, you know, what's kind of dominated is the tourism side. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do is, is ca- capture all those same opportunities from a business development side and make sure that there's a greater diversification here in the market of companies and of jobs. Um, always trying to add more higher wage jobs is certainly part of uh, the mix here. So kind of call that the economic development bucket. So you got marketing outside and then you got the sales component of trying to make this market to expand in or grow in. And then what we call the product development side or community development, making sure we're advocating for regional priorities, make sure that we are empowering and developing leaders in our region 
and then kind of pushing what I like to call kind of our R&D efforts of making sure we're kind of pushing the envelope on some things, particularly, you know, one of those things that we've been working hard on is sort of the autonomous vehicle technology and those opportunities, which we actually have a company that announced this week that was going public, Luminar, based, well, technically headquartered in Silicon Valley. Almost all their people are here in Orlando. The technology's here, the development's here, the manufacturing's here, and the expertise comes, you know, it's in LiDAR technology, which was laser-based, which is traced back to, to Jim Schwartz, who worked with Lockheed Martin on laser-guided missiles, new generations of the technology is now the eyes of autonomous vehicles. So there you have a perfect example of how that technological history and story has come alive and, and now is taking companies public here in Orlando. So that's a really compelling story, I think. It is. Um, I think so too. I, I think there's a lot of companies that have bought into that story and have had, found a lot of success here and then success begets success. So I think to your first point, we are a growing market. Um, obviously, this pandemic, you know, s slows some of that down, accelerates some of the challenges and some of the changes. But, you know, we're, we're still on a, on a really good trajectory here. Yeah, I do want to get to the pandemic's effect on the city, but I figured we'll, we'll keep it on a high note for now in the beginning. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I do know that uh, at some point, city officials have gone to other markets to take a look at what other cities have been doing and so forth. At first, I was curious to know if you you were part of those, but uh, also if there were if there are some other cities out there that you feel that uh, Orlando emulates or or has taken some influence from. Yeah, I'll be happy to, you know, um, just so your comments uh, on the podcast or on Facebook Live don't blow up. There's some disclaimers here. Um, number one, you know, Orlando's Orlando and Orlando needs to be a better version of Orlando. Um, so from an emulation standpoint, I know what you're saying and I agree with you, but, you know, people tend to get a little, we don't want to be them. And I don't either. I get that. Um, <laughs> right. But yes, um, and I would go, I would lead a trip uh, twice a year, every year, if there was the interest and the resources to do that. I think it's incredibly valuable. Not only is it's time for people to get together and get to know each other and build trust amongst people that are um, trying to move the city forward. But from a learning standpoint, you know, uh, before I arrived here, the group went to Austin to really understand sort of how they branded themselves and how they created a common message to the world. And that's worked extremely well for them. Um, also, before I got here, group went to Phoenix to understand how the Arizona State University, the ASU downtown campus came to life and what the impacts were going to be on downtown as UCF and Valencia were contemplating and building plans for the down, downtown campus we have now. Right. Um, we did, um, while I was here, we led a trip to Pittsburgh, which I remember the day we announced that, I remember everyone looking at us like we were crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, why would you want to go to Pittsburgh? Um, Pittsburgh is a, is a really good example of a city um, that was known for one thing and became something um, different. And so it's not a direct parallel to where we are in tourism because no one would want that to go away. But how do we be, how do we become known for something else as well? And, you know, Pittsburgh really focused. And when we left, you know, it was real simple. Their strategy was eds and meds. And it was about mm. educated people that bring research dollars and innovation um, and new companies um, as well as from the medical side, 
all of the, you know, the UPMC just is a powerhouse organization and has led to so much development um, over time. You know, they, they brought in, um, it was the first transplant surgery. So pretty much anyone that does a transplant at one point has been trained in Pittsburgh. So there's all these stories and now that's on the autonomous vehicle front. Again, that's where all those companies are setting up shop. Google's there, Facebook's there. So they become this tech city, Duolingo is headquartered there. They become this tech city. So I think they're, I mean, there's something to learn almost anywhere you want to go, whether it's the good or the bad or the ugly, but in Pittsburgh, and especially now with the pandemic that we face, you know, not, not only in Orlando everywhere, but how do you respond to something like that? You know, the, the people in Pittsburgh figured it out. Um, they had more, you know, they had higher unemployment than Detroit did after, after the crash. They had more unemployment than uh, New Orleans had after Katrina, more population loss. That's why every city in America has a Steelers bar is because that's all just people from Pittsburgh that live somewhere else. Right. And so a whole generation moved out. So they've dealt right. with challenges. And I, I just think from an emulate, I mean, you want some of the tech that's going on. Um, but in Pittsburgh, for instance, um, they think they have an affordable housing issue, which is almost laughable when you look at Orlando's affordable housing. Um, I, when I was in Raleigh, we led a trip to San Diego Mm-hmm. And they really let affordable housing get out of control. And for a bunch of business, well, it wasn't only business people, but particularly the business people to go and see how affordable housing has become a business and talent issue in San Diego. Because unless you make $200,000 a year, you're not living in close to the city and you're dealing with all yeah. sorts of uh, commuting issues. Right. And so, you know, it takes some of those chips to realize, oh, affordable housing impacts talent, impacts business. So it really starts to put context. So I think that's where going to other cities and learning from other cities really comes in handy. You brought up Austin, which is a a city that a lot of people obviously talk about because it went through such a transformation. I remember downtown Austin was pretty much a ghost town until South by Southwest came in. And then all the bars that were playing country music now were playing, playing alternative rock. And, and, you know, it really changed up the city. And then of course, South by Southwest, I believe, you know, was, um, was a major factor in the evolution of that city. But I'm curious what you think about and what you learned about Austin, whether it was organic growth or if it was planned because to, if it was planned, it seems very organic to me, and so I would I would commend you know I would commend the city for making it seem organic. But it seems like it grew organically, and and sometimes and this is not a criticism to you or or even the city of Orlando, but sometimes I feel that Orlando has been trying to find its footing and has been trying to do things that aren't so organic to see if it can replicate the cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's valid. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's both. I mean, but I think the plan part has to be driven based on your, your DNA, right? Yes. Um, yes, for sure. I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. So we're going to see EA go into downtown Orlando, um, next to FIA, UCF, um, graduate in game development, uh, studios, you have full sale here. So really leaning into game development makes sense um, because we have those assets here in Orlando. I talked about autonomous vehicle and LIDAR technology. That's a great strength that we have here. So we're leaning into that type of um, technology. I mean, it makes sense. Um, I think you really got to focus on what your strengths are. So some of the strengths 
um, aren't as sexy. So call it corporate training, call it um, human performance. So at Lake Nona, mm-hmm. one of our recent projects was recruiting KPMG for their international um, headquarters for global innovation and training. Uh, so pre-pandemic and, and soon following a thousand people from KPMG coming in every week and you know they built a I think in 18 months or less a 430 million dollar facility here because of our airport and so we really can take advantage of the airport even compare us to Tampa and I you know not don't always like to say that's competition because we all need to succeed of course um, of course but if you look at the airports for instance we have so many more direct flights and it's a lot easier um, to get around and for a global company like Siemens or Mitsubishi that's super important so to me, I think the planned type of development really is if you can really understand your DNA as a region, you can build on that. But mm-hmm. to your point, you can't become something you aren't. And right. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Not so what did 2019 and, and the years before look like? What were you guys uh, setting up for? Is it is it uh, essentially what we've just been talking about uh, in, into that growth or have there been some other some other plans as well? Yeah, no, I, you know, in the last five years, um, really central Florida. So when I talk, when I say Orlando, you know, I don't even know where all the city lines are. Um, mm-hmm. we're talking about the, the, the area, we're talking about the region. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, if we had enough time, we could certainly talk about all of the uniqueness of all of the areas. And that's great because we all get to live in, you know, the type of community we want to live in because it's all here. But when we talk we'll about, talk about like, the greater Orlando, Orlando right? Greater yeah, the Orlando. brand, yeah. the, the region, mm-hmm. there, there's, um, we've led the country in job growth for four straight years. Um, we're becoming one of the most diverse places in America. And by 2030, we may even be the most diverse place in America. So that's, that's clearly been a big trend that's gone on here. The growth is something interesting to talk about, not without perspective. So we've been growing in a seven county area, kind of Volusia to Polk, over to Lake Seminole, Orange, Osceola, Brevard. Um, These are all counties, by the way, all counties counties, for those that don't know. Yeah, yeah, if you're outside of Florida, we have 67 of them. And um, so there's seven kind of in the middle, uh, right in the dead center of the middle. Uh, You're talking about thousand people, net population growth um, every week for 60 years. I mean, that's hard to think about. Um, before the pandemic, we were up to 1,500 a week. And so that, that growth is really this, a, a big part of the story. Um, it really speaks to the talent pool that's developed here. We have UCF. Um, we all know it's one of the largest universities in America, but last, last year was graduated the most number of people. So if you want to measure it uh, as the talent producer, you know, which is certainly one of their major roles. Um, putting out that much talent and focusing on access, which has been a big part of UCF story. Couple that with Valencia, seventy-five thousand students focusing on access. You have you have an economy here that a lot of people have gotten access to and have gotten high into higher ed and, and degrees of one kind or another. So you've had this massive growth in the talent pool. So when the you know CBRE will rank tech talent and momentum about who's growing the, the fastest. Orlando is pretty high on this list and that shocks people because they remember us for a good vacation and it gets their attention. And you look a level deeper, we have 500,000 college students 
within a hundred mile radius of downtown Orlando. You know, compare that to other metropolitan areas in the South, you're really struggling to find them, to be honest with you. So as talent has become the greater currency in economic development and where corporate site decisions are made, Orlando's done pretty well. Um, particularly, you know, you couple that with our airport, you couple that um, with all of the business and professional services. So one thing that, you know, we, we literally have a card deck and it's, you know, the Orlando, you don't know the half of it card deck and it's, there's so many things people don't know, but uh, one of those things is over the last five years, there's actually more jobs in cold hard numbers, not percentages, growth in business and professional services than tourism and hospitality. So you're talking about the number one tourism and hospitality market in America, um, and we're growing faster in business and professional services. So Deloitte and ADP, um, certainly KPMG, like I mentioned before, Florida Blue, Verizon, um, all these firms that have set up shop and are growing massively. I mean, Deloitte has been growing uh, massively uh, here. ADP is just continuing to, they well exceeded what they thought they'd grow into when they first moved here. So the story is there. I mean, there's right. so much growth and that's what we were, that's kind of the, the train we were on pre-pandemic. It was on one hand, how do we keep this going and keep getting our fair share of these opportunities? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On the other hand, fast growth creates a lot of challenges for a community. And so it was right. time to really catch up on transportation. It was time to make investments in affordable housing. And I can't say any of those have gone away. I just... I just think we're, we're dealing with another set of issues at the same time. So it's really a prioritization of, of how do you do, how do you deal with all this? And we're not alone. I think every city in America is going through these same challenges. Absolutely. And Orlando has, has definitely put uh, infrastructure in the forefront, uh, especially with I-4, our interstate that uh, comes, comes across here, goes to Tampa and Daytona. Um, there's a major construction that's going on there, in inclusive of uh, also our expressways. And, uh, and to your point, it's, it's to, to accommodate or, or to, to do the best it can to accommodate this rapid growth, right? Yeah, so I four one. Let's you know, this is a, a human interest story as much as anything else. Um, you know, we love to hate it, um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, even just think, you know, everyone remembers twenty sixteen presidential election. You know, it's almost like who could spend more on infrastructure was the competition. It was yeah, <laughs> and um, you know, every city in America, there was articles in their papers about crumbling bridges or, or bridges that could had to close because they were now unsafe. And you could see this all over America, but here in Orlando, we have the largest um, public-private partnership transportation project going on in America. And it's the rebuild of I-4 and it sucks to drive on it uh, right now. And, you know, over the last couple of years, but I think if you've been on it lately, you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you see how important this is to the future of the city from a, from a mobility standpoint, but also, I think, you know, as many people that drive through this part of the state, what a what a better picture of Orlando that people will get uh, when they come through a, a brand new interstate through the city, through the heart of the city. So it, right. 
I wouldn't want to have been in charge of that construction project because <laughs> it's massive. But at the same time, we're almost there. And that just speaks, you know, you add that to SunRail, the three billion over $3 billion expansion at the airport. So we have over $10 billion of infrastructure going on in, in our region, which any other region would be dying for. There's only probably a handful in America that are doing it. I, I want to go back to uh, we're talking about diversity, and I think that I had read something, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as gender diversity, I think there uh, Orlando ranked uh, in in some high number for the number of uh, female-owned businesses. Am I correct with that? Yes. You know, it's interesting. There's so many hidden gems, so many um, brag points about Orlando, and I think I'll just build on on your diversity topic here and say. Uh, in my last role in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, working through sort of the legislature and governor, you know, in one day bringing forth the bathroom bill, you know, that is now world worldwide known and, and tied to North Carolina. Um, you know, we were dealing with all sorts of fallout from an economic development standpoint, um, talent, you know, really at that point had, had, had a stronghold on the number one criteria for site selection. And, you know, we knew it was bad for business. It was bad for the economy. I thought it was the, the bad thing uh, in general. Um, and so we fought to oppose that, to call for a full repeal, come to Orlando, which was on the heel of uh, the Pulse tragedy. And so the silver lining or, or you know, what, what good can come of something so tragic is how this community really just became a, a statement and a signal of love and inclusiveness. And I think that you talk about, you know, with a marketing agency about brands, you know, Orlando's brand was on display for the world to see. And out of tragedy came a strengthening of that brand from an inclusivity standpoint. And I think that has created more of a compelling story for Orlando. It's, it's part of exposed, I think, part of the soul of the city and in many ways, that's so important when people are considering what type of community they want to move to and live in, um, one that's inclusive is really important. Um, you will notice, if you look at a map, and if, you, if some of the listeners kind of geek out about this, kind of look into Raj Chetty's work at Harvard and look at the geography of social mobility. And this is true almost everywhere. Um, but the solutions are hard and and takes a lot of effort to get right. And at the core of some of these systemic, particularly economic opportunity um, discussions, you know, everything back from redlining and all, all of this, uh, the segregation and all the Jim Crow laws and how um, society evolved or lack thereof um, across America, you know, Orlando certainly has its elements. And you look at different um, down to census blocks, or, I'm sorry, census tracks. So you're really looking in neighborhoods and even within neighborhoods. And you can see that in neighborhoods that are high percentage black compared to neighborhoods that are high percentage white, um, where you see the greatest disparities, you can certainly see, you, you know, your working age, you're two times, I think it's two times less likely to have a car to get to work and you're like five times less likely to have a high school diploma. Your net income is like 17,000 compared or 12,000 compared to like $200,000 uh, in the white neighborhoods. So even within um, Orlando and central Florida, there are 
great disparities in its neighborhood by neighborhood. And is um, there certainly has been progress. And I think you could you well articulate some of the ways that you could actually see that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to unleashing the full potential of our economy, unleashing kind of the best talent pool that we can put forward as a region um, to grow our entire pie, you know, if we can get more people with more opportunity, with with less obstacles in their way, um, you know, we've done some work. It's called FATES. And, and what we look at, and we've worked with the Atlanta Federal Reserve, the Early Learning Coalition, United Way, and others on this, is that a person moving along in a low-wage job will oftentimes be offered a raise and pass. Mm-hmm. And it makes no sense. Um, and you ask why. And that $0.25 cent an hour raise or dollar an hour raise or $2 an hour wage might get them several hundred dollars more, um, might get them several thousand dollars more over the course of a year. But it, but what happens, the way uh, subsidies are set up, it makes no sense for them to do it. You and I wouldn't do it. Um, you fall off this cliff and you might lose $8,000 worth of you know, childcare subsidies and you might gain 2000 a year in salary. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're not doing that. No. So there's more policies that need to be changed. Um, transportation in Central Florida, you know, if you have access to a car on average in a 30-minute commute, you have access to 500,000 jobs. Okay, right. if you don't have a car and you rely on transit, you have access to less than 5,000. Mm-hmm. So transportation becomes an oppor- a, a, a question about opportunity and access as much as it does about mobility and commuting times. So I think. You know, as our region smartly moves ahead, and I think we have great leadership in Central Florida, you know, these issues of creating more opportunity really grows the pot for everybody. And some of these things are well long overdue. And I I think, you know, this moment in time, oftentimes, interestingly enough, led by, you know, 20 somethings uh, marching in the street, having their voice heard. They're the ones that have people to the table, our organization included, about what else could be done differently to end up in a different spot um, because the voice that they're giving to these issues of social injustice, um, economic opportunity are real. And we've got to help them um, find solutions to the issues that they're raising because they can't do it by themselves. Right. To wrap things up, we all know what we're facing. We're facing uh, a pandemic that really doesn't have an end date to it. Depending on on how you feel about the federal government, there hasn't been a lot of clarity. I, I can say maybe we can all agree on that. that, that that's I think you're from, safe there. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct, right? And, and listen, you know, I told you I grew up in New York. I was actually born and raised in Queens. So you can oh. imagine that I know a little bit about the guy that's in the uh, Oval Office. Sure. So, uh, but that's for another another time, maybe over drinks. So <laughs> I'm seeing cities having uh, and, and states having to take the reins on issues that uh, would have been supported by the federal government to protect their citizens. And there's been leadership among governors um, to where they're trying to see if they can learn from one another. Uh, I do know that our uh, city mayor, Buddy Dyer, and also our Orange County mayor, um, they have taken some different initiatives than what uh, Tallahassee has been uh, putting forth, right? That's a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. And in fact, our three-year strategy was built on those assumptions. 
that we weren't waiting for Washington. We weren't waiting for Tallahassee. We were taking what needed to be done, assuming that all the support would come locally. Now, does some support come from Tallahassee and Washington? Sure, it does. And we advocate and we actually have um, members in our local delegations that have thankfully been gaining in seniority and rank and stature, um, particularly in Washington, to help um, with some of these issues. And so that's been important and will be important. But, you know, there's not a, a, a next Speaker of the House in the state of Florida or Senate president that's coming from Central Florida. In fact, they've recently been coming from the Tampa Bay area. So we've really had to fend for ourselves in many respects. Um, you know, UCF, it, you know, continues to grow and the state, you know, wants to pick, you know, a political battle with the largest university. Um, you know, all that's going to hurt is the students, quite frankly. And it's one that focuses on minorities. It's one that focuses on access. And so it's a really dumb strategy from a state perspective. But yet that's what we see. Uh, year in and year out. So I think you're totally right. Thank God we have really strong leadership. I think, I think yeah. you know, my message is, you know, if our organization was just whittled down and we can only focus on, a, you know, a, a, a little bit of things, it would be, do you have the right mayor, city manager, superintendent, county mayor, in our case, county manager, head of the community college, head of the university, and do you get your um, businesses together to address issues like, you know, do you have good leadership at the local level, which is what you're saying. Yep. And to me, that is so important for our region now and going forward. And it's sure it, it matters deeply who's in the white house and it matters who's in the governor's mansion in Tallahassee, but kind of regardless of whoever that may be, it doesn't take the onus off of who are local leaders and what are they trying to do? And are they working together to get that done? And, and thankfully, this region's been blessed with strong leaders for a long time, and, and that's why we have what we have. It's, it's, it's not necessarily because of Tallahassee and Washington. I commend, uh, I commend all of our uh, local yeah. uh, leaders. Good. I, th I, I totally agree with you. And I, I do want to add one piece on that, and it's um, everything turns into a political debate at this point, but mm -hmm. um, this, this is really no politics at all. This is, um, you know, mo most of your listeners, I think, are are business um, oriented. They maybe run a small business and they're listening to your show for, for insight. And when it comes down to how do you get Orlando's economy moving again? How do you get it growing at a pace that we all want to see? Um, it, you got to have, you know, take all the government kind of rules out of it for a minute. Consumers, employees, they got to feel safe and they got to feel like they can go somewhere and the safety precautions are taken, they're followed. And if someone's visiting, that means that they're going to drive in and their uh, accommodations, their their destinations and attractions, their meals, etc. You know, there's a lot of a lot of touch points there is going to have a safe experience. And until that consumer confidence grows enough, you know, we won't get uh, tourism back uh, to what it was. So we need to take care of our own economy, our own jobs, and the way to do that is to build consumer confidence. And if you look at what makes them feel safe, it is masks and, and face coverings. It is 
social distancing. It is reduced capacity at this point. It right. is regular sanitation and those types of things. Um, and that's so important, not because someone tells us to do it or not, because if we want our economy to thrive and our neighbors to have good jobs and jobs again, that's the steps we have to take to build that consumer confidence. So I think from a business standpoint, it is a super clear message. Um, we've worked with a lot of media partners, local governments on a safer, stronger together campaign. Hopefully you've seen the hashtag do your part ORL. And it's really, that's what it comes down to is, are you willing to do your part to get this economy going and to make sure that our neighbors are taken care of? The problem I think, and as you know, is that, um, so much of the future of not only this market's economy, but even of the country is uh, is really based on, like you said, confidence. And that confidence will only happen once we have uh, professionals, scientists that we trust, we're, which we're having trouble now, unfortunately, uh, knowing who we can trust for information, but someone that we trust for information that's telling us that levels are safe. Levels are safe now. The The risk of contagion is at an all-time low. And and I don't, you know, I would argue and say that we're probably not going to go back to how things were, that this new normal is really uh, a rapid evolution um, that we're moving into. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and it, we may have learned some things that we're going to continue with. But I, I do believe that that confidence isn't going to come through until that happens. And what I think is um, is challenging is that there are some businesses, such as the one uh, I run, which is a, an ad agency, that um, we've been able to operate with everybody working from them, their home. That's been great. Now, that doesn't mean that, of course, we've had some shift in industries that we service. We did a lot of work with hotels. Well, we're not really doing that area anymore or travel tourism and, and some others. Um, but we, as far as operating, we can do that. Now, you have restaurants and, and other types of work that they can't do that. And uh, movie theaters, you know, we're, we're seeing some of these businesses potentially become obsolete. I mean, in closing, what can you say to businesses that um, that might be a little light at the end of the tunnel for them in terms of how uh, they're, they're going to be able to bounce back? Yeah, I, think, I mean, it's a million dollar question. I, <laughs> I, you know, not without acknowledging first, you know, how challenging and painful this has been for so many businesses. Um, in fact, we set up a program to help small businesses and helped on the phone directly working with them over 700 businesses to navigate all of the different programs um, and relief packages that were out there and what was happening from congress and state and local and ppp and who was lending and all of those things so so our team who's also uh remote you know went through the the process of trying to help these over 700 businesses and so got a really firsthand look at the challenges that are out there. Um, to me, the light at the tunnel is, 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 is pretty bright. And I don't, I just, I agree with everything you said in that this is some sort of new normal. We have been going through the first six months of some type of great reset. It's, um, you know, the, the, the issues that are on the table are incredibly important and will shape our country for a generation. And, you know, I, I have gotten this question plenty of times. And the question to me, you know, the question is typically something along the lines of, well, what will change or what will happen different? 
And my answer is it depends on what you do about it. That's what's going to that's going to be the answer. It's not what someone else determines is what you decide it's going to be. And so from a business leadership perspective, I think you're going to see a pretty aggressive um, uh, run at making sure we have a more equitable community, that we have more uh, economic opportunity for more people, which is going to create more opportunity for everybody. I think that's one of the things you're going to see. I think from an economic development standpoint, you're going to see, to your point, same thing for an ad agency. We're basically a business trying to sell Orlando. That's our, that's our product, and we're out there selling and we're, we're having to already see differences in the types of projects that we're working that are that are different from what we were seeing in January and February and, and before that. So you're going to have to pivot. We're pivoting. You're going to have to adapt from a technology standpoint real quick, which I think, thank, thank goodness, I couldn't imagine what would happen five or 10 years ago from a technology standpoint. We just didn't have it to what we have today. So take advantage of the technology. Um, pivot to where the market is and where it's going. And th there's all sorts of opportunity that comes out of a disruption like this. And there's gonna be a lot of pain and a lot of bridges to be crossed and valleys um, to wander through and to emerge onto the other side. But at the end of the day, you have to, I think, take the, the optimistic um, will be better and will be stronger because of this. Um, but it's gonna, it's going to be pain and hard decisions and refocusing on priorities, which I think all of us have seen from a very personal standpoint of being at home for so much time and our habits are already changing and our interests are changing and what's important is changing. I think in business that just carries very much through sort of the humanity of it all that we're going to be different, embrace the different, embrace pivoting, embrace the opportunities that are created and, um, you know, I think in 10 or 20 years, we'll have a much greater perspective. I'll probably look back at, at this podcast and laugh at my answer. But, I, you know, it will be much more informed as we go forward. But I'm going to leave that as, uh, as the last word because you said that very eloquently. And uh, I could probably go longer, even though you probably need to go to bed or eat dinner or something like that. But I mean, this conversation has been great. No, this is awesome. I really appreciate the time, the wide-ranging discussion. There's so many issues uh, before us, and um, I hate the short interviews or, or a, a quick news story because you really can't tell the, the story and get into the real issues, and I think this format is fantastic for that. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Well, listen, I think Tim was a great guest. We're very fortunate to have had him on the show, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. If you do want to catch the podcast, you can uh, catch the podcast uh, every week. As you know, it's uh, recorded on every Wednesday evening live at 8 p.m., and you can go ahead and use your favorite app to listen to the podcast. Um, and also, you can visit our website, which is wagner.live and you'll see previous episodes and archived episodes and, and videos there. And uh, so thank you very much, and I'll see you next time. You've, You've been, been listening, listening to, to Wagner, Wagner Live. Wagner is an advertising agency executive, and it's his passion to talk about business without the fluff and blowing smoke. Having owned and operated several different businesses since the age of 17, and with 20 years of experience in advertising and marketing, he may be just a tad bit qualified.
We hope you enjoyed the show. Catch him on social media at Wagner Live and hit the website at Wagner.live. We'll see you again next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.